Um, it's a it's an opportunity again for for me this morning, just on behalf of uh, Anne and myself, just to to give you very sincere thanks for all the love and Christian kindness that you have shown to us uh, in our time here. It's been brief this time, um, but we're all going away slightly heavier than than when we came. Uh, the the portions the portions here. Are not, are not Irish portions. They're, they're much, much bigger. Um, and, um, we, we want to thank you just for your kindness. And I want to share, to assure you that we'll take each of you home in our hearts with us as we, as we go home to Ireland tomorrow and, um, hope to see you again soon if the Lord, if the Lord will. Um, <clears throat> you know, those worship hymns this morning were special. Um, there's just something about them I think that touched all of our hearts and um, I want to thank the worship team for for that which was very precious to us and you know the last little verse there that they sang he made something beautiful of my life and you know each of us could say that this morning none of us would be here were it not for him our lives were in a mess Many of our colleagues, many of our school chums, their lives are just broken. But he has made something beautiful of our life. And you know, that just ties in exactly with my little message for you this morning. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. <clears throat> so thank you for being here. And I trust the Lord will, will bless us again as we look at the Scriptures. If you have a Bible, we're going to read from the Gospel by Luke please, in chapter 2, the Gospel by Luke, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and uh, I'm reading the King King James Version. Um, It's commencing at verse number uh, 41 concerning the Lord Jesus. Luke, chapter 2, and verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God 
and man. So may the Lord bless this familiar reading uh, of the Scriptures to all our hearts. <clears throat> now, I want to share this with you this morning. This week, the week that's passed, has been a week of reflection in my life, a week of perhaps even of melancholy a wee bit at times because um, there were dates this week that meant uh, something very much to me. I think of the 14th of October, which is just passed, and the week that's passed. And the 14th of October um, was the date of my late mother's birthday. And there's just something about the 14th of October that we always think of our, our mother. Every Every one of us has a special part in our hearts and our lives for our mother. And um, <clears throat> she lived into her 90s, for which we're very thankful. But when she came to a certain age, she said to us all, <clears throat> um, no more birthday cards, right? No more birthday cards. I don't want to be reminded anymore of my age. And, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking... <laughs> Uh, it never really made much difference to my brother because he never brought her any birthday cards anyway at any at any time. <clears throat> but it meant something maybe to the rest of us. No more cards. 14th of October. And then the 19th of October, which was just at the weekend there, the 19th of October was the date that my dear father was taken home to heaven on the 19th of October. And in those days, you think about your father. And um, I'm the oldest in the family. There are two boys and two girls. And I remember as he lay in that hospital bed, um, all the family had got home because they had younger children than us. And it was just my father and I left. And um, I remember one night just uh, just taking his hand and... Um, I just said to him, Dad, it was um, it was a great night. It was a great night, the night as you as a teenager, as a boy of 16, when you put your trust in Christ. It makes such a difference. And I'm sure you're glad that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus that night. And he couldn't speak, but he nodded his head, and that was a great night. And so we have happy, uh, holy memories of our parents that taught us about these things, about the Savior and about salvation. And so it has been a week of reflection for me. And because of that, uh, I was thinking about life, about life. Last week we thought about a day. Well, this week we want to think about life. He has made something beautiful of our lives. And... <clears throat> In this passage that we have read uh, together uh, this morning, I see four things about life. I see, first of all, uh, in the life of Joseph and of Mary here, Mary and Joseph, I see life's greatest discovery. Life's greatest discovery. And I see in it also life's greatest decision. Life's greatest decision. And I see in it life's greatest delight. And I see in it also life's greatest disaster. Four things about life that I want to speak to you about this morning. Life's greatest discovery. Um, 
here they are traveling down from Jerusalem where they've been involved in the, you know, the ritual and the, the, the services and, and the offerings and the Passover and all the rest. And they've been involved in all of that. And they're traveling down home. And this couple, Mary and Joseph, as they make their journey on the highway of life, they make life's greatest discovery. And life's greatest discovery, my friends, this morning is this. Life's greatest discovery is the day that you discover or the day that anyone discovers as they were traveling on the highway of life that they had forgotten the Savior. They had no Savior. They thought he was there. They thought he was in the company. They thought that he was in the fellowship. They thought that he was close by. But as they travel in the highway of life, they discover that they have no Savior. And you know, friends, that is the greatest discovery that anyone could make in life that they've no Savior. And we are so thankful this morning that the majority of us here in this gathering this morning were thankful for the day when we discovered in life that we, not only that we had no Savior, but we needed a Savior. And there was a Savior who bled and died for us on Calvary's middle tree. It's an awful thing to be in the journey of life without a Savior. We have a hymn at home that we sometimes sing I don't know if it's in your books or not, but the words of one of the verses are these. It says, Oh, to be without a Savior, with no hope or refuge nigh, how can you, O careless sinner, dare to live and dare to die? The tragedy of going through life and being on the highway of life and never discovering that you have no Savior. We're thankful for those that taught us, like our parents that are now gone to be with the Lord, that we need it as Savior. And I'm thankful for all in our gathering this morning who have made that discovery that in life I need a Savior. Each of us in our lives, I suppose, have at some time or other used chloroform. Chloroform has been a help to all the ladies in childbirth. And all the gentlemen in times of operations and things like that. And the discovery, the discoverer of chloroform was a man called James Young Simpson. James Young Simpson was from Scotland and he made this amazing discovery. What a discovery that was. And on one occasion he was attending down in London a huge medical conference and there were eminent surgeons there and doctors there and leading men in the medical profession. And the chairman, as he announced the conference opening, he said, we are honored to have with us today James Young Simpson. And I would like to invite him to come to the platform and to tell us about the greatest discovery that he has made in life. And James Young Simpson made his way to that platform in a hushed audience as they waited to hear. And as he stood on the platform, James Young Simpson said, Friends, the greatest discovery in life that ever I made 
is that I was a sinner and I had no Savior. And the day I discovered that Jesus Christ had died for me on Calvary's cross, that was my greatest discovery in life. Friends, this morning, have we all made life's greatest discovery? There are thousands out there that are living in their sins and they're living carelessly and they've never ever discovered that I need a Savior if ever I'm going to be in heaven. We have a lovely friend at home called Harry. Harry said, oh, listen, I would love to bring Harry here. You would, you would thrill at his preaching. He's the warmest Christian. He's the warmest soul I've ever met, I think, in life. A lovely Christian. Every time he gets up to speak, he warms our hearts. And one day he was preaching in the open air. I don't know if you can preach here in the open air or not, but at the seaside, sometimes we speak out in the open air and preach the gospel. And Harry was preaching the gospel in the open air in his own winsome way. And at the end of the little message, a man made his way forward. And he said to him, Mr. Preacher, he said, I would like to be a Christian. I would like to be like you and be a Christian. And Harry said to him, And why? What has made you discover? What has made you discover that you need to be a Christian? And the man said, Well, you all seem to be happy. You're all kind of pleasant. And you're all kind of, you know, nicely dressed. And I saw some of you arriving and you were all driving nice cars. You know, Christy, it seems to, you know, it seems to give you a wee lift. I would like to be a Christian. And Harry said to him, my friend, he said, what about your sin? What about your sin? And you know what the man said? He said, Mr. Preacher, he said, he said, God is nothing against me. God is nothing against me. I do the best I can. I'm a good neighbor. I'm kind. I'm generous. I give to charity. God is nothing against me. You see, friends, he had never made, he had never made life's greatest discovery that we are all sinners, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Some of us went further astray than others. But whether we went far astray or not so far astray, we've all gone astray and we need a Savior. And we're thankful that we ever discovered, unlike that poor man, that we need a Savior if ever we're going to be in heaven. Life's greatest discovery. You know, although that man is probably an exception in Ireland because, you know, God has greatly blessed the gospel in Ireland. Ireland has been a land of blessing in the gospel where many have discovered that they need a Savior. There are many, many Christians. There are many, many evangelical churches. And I take great courage in that at times that some of the laws that we have some of the standards that we have that have been relaxed in other places and overthrown in other places, we still have them at home in dear old Ireland. I want to say something to the encouragement 
of every sister here in the meeting today. Maybe you young people will Google this sometime. In 1859, in 1859, we had a wonderful revival. Google the 1859 revival. I'm not exaggerating. Tens of thousands of people discovered they needed a Savior and they needed salvation to be in heaven. Such was the revival in those days that men couldn't go to work. Men were falling down in the street and praying to God to forgive them and to uh, accept them as sinners, trusting in His Son for salvation. Public houses were closed. And the reason why I said about the sisters is this, it was all started by a single sister under the hand of God. There was a dear lady called Mrs. Colville. Mrs. Colville came to Ireland from the north of England. She couldn't preach. She wasn't gifted in that capacity, but she could give out gospel tracts. And she gave out gospel tracts in the town of Ballymena, in the center of Northern Ireland. And that dear sister, she was a Baptist lady. Mrs. Colville gave out a tract one day to a young man called James McCulkin. And James McCulkin discovered from reading that tract that he needed to be saved, that he needed a saviour. And he got saved. And three of his colleagues got saved. And the four of them started to pray. And they prayed morning, noon and night. And God used that single lady, that single sister, to bring thousands and thousands, tens of thousands. It's estimated there were a 100,000 people that were converted to Christ in the 1859 revival. Oh, for revival days. Oh, for recovery. And oh, for sisters who have an interest in those that are lost and have never discovered that they need to be born again. What a great discovery this is they made. We're on the journey of life and with no Savior. But then life's greatest decision. What happened when they discovered that they needed a Savior? Did we not read in verse number 45? And when they found Him not, they turned back again, seeking Him. Life's Greatest decision is not only to discover that I need a Savior, but life's greatest decision is to go into seeking the Savior for yourself. You see, you don't get saved in your sleep. And you don't get saved. You don't get saved by accident. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, Ye shall seek me when ye shall find me with all of your heart. And if there is some this morning who have discovered that they need a Savior, but have never ever taken the second step, which is life's greatest decision, what a morning it would be if someone turned from sin and turned to Christ and repented from their sin. Life's greatest decision. There was a man one day called Pilate. 
And they ask the immortal question that has rung down through the ages. As the Savior stood before him, he said, What shall I do? Then with Jesus, which is called Christ. It's not a question for somebody else. It's a question for you. What shall I do? Then with Jesus, which is called Christ. Life's greatest decision. You remember that last week we had a little we had a little knock at the knock at the lottery. You remember we talked a little bit about that. There's a story came to my mind through the week. I want to tell you, kind of on the same line, just about life's greatest decision. A friend of ours was driving home on a on a Saturday evening. All alone. And he gets that wee text on his phone. I'm sure you, I get these texts and it's just one word. Capital letters. M. I. L. K. Milk. Quest. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Remember the milk. And so he goes into the store on a Saturday evening, and he's looking for the milk. And as he's looking for the milk, a young lady runs in, and he hears her, he hears her saying to the storekeeper, he hears her saying, Am I too late? Have I missed it? And he hears the shopkeeper saying, No, there's still a few moments yet. You're still okay. It's still open. You can still do it. And so my friend waits at the door. And as the young lady is coming out, he said to her, excuse me, um, I, I couldn't help but, you know, hear what you were saying. Would you mind, could I ask you what you would do if you won the lottery? What would you do if you won the lottery? And she said to him, well, um, I'm, I'm not sure, but why are you asking me if you won the lottery? He said, no, I've never won the lottery. But he said, to be honest, uh, I don't need to do the lottery because I am rich. And she said, to him, oh, you're, are, are, you, are you very rich? And he said, like, I, don't like to, I don't like to boast about it, but I'm, exceeding, I'm exceedingly rich. Exceedingly rich. And so she says to him, um, well, if you didn't win the lottery, how did you get it? You know, how, how did you get it? Ah, he said, my father gave it to me. My father gave it to me. Ah, she said, that's the easy way. That's the easy way. Your father gave it to you. That's the easy way to get it. He said, I want to tell you, my dear, he said, he said, he said, it was easy for me. But it wasn't easy for him because upon the cross he punished his son on account of my sin in order that, I, that order that I might have eternal riches through salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ. The young lady turned on her heel. She said, I'm not interested in those kind of riches. I'm not interested in those kind of riches. Life's greatest discovery. Life's greatest decision. 
Here's somebody who's not interested in those kind of riches. Is there someone here? I feel it in my heart almost today that there's someone maybe here on the very brink of the kingdom. And you are interested. And you would like to be forgiven. And you would like to be sure of heaven. And you would like to have your sins all blotted out. Life's greatest decision, why not take the decision today to hold I stand at the door and knock? If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I tell you, there's no one here that has taken life's greatest decision that has ever regretted it. It was the best decision of our lives the day we accepted Christ as our very own Savior. Life's greatest discovery. Life's greatest decision. I think I see in this too, life's greatest delight. Life's greatest delight. Uh, When we come down to uh, verse uh, 46, and it came to pass that after three days, they found him. They found him. Life's greatest delight. You know, there's a joyfulness and a happiness in having Christ as Savior. You know, who, who's the happiest people? Who's the most joyful people in San Ramon this Sunday morning? Is it the people who tried the lottery last night and failed? Is it the people who tried addictions last night and they wake up empty? Is it the people who excessed in alcohol? The happiest people are the people, the people of San Ramon are the people who have found him. There's an old hymn that says, what can equal joy divine? And what can sweeter be than knowing that the soul is safe for all eternity, safe in the Lord without a doubt, by virtue of the blood, for nothing can destroy the joy that's hid with Christ in God. Life's greatest delight. Have we all found him? Is he our saviour? Is he our friend? I love telling you about our friends at home. You must think I have a lot of friends. Well, so so I have. I tell you this. I tell you this. I've better friends now than before I was saved. The friends that I have in Christ are better than the friends I ever had in the world. And we have a friend, Margaret. Margaret was her name. And Margaret's son and I were kind of of ages. We were brought up together in the same fellowship. And at a, you know, a relatively young age, um, Margaret developed signs of, of Alzheimer's. And that's an awful, awful, awful illness. With the deepest sympathy for those who find themselves in that situation. And Margaret, you know, her husband became alarmed about her and, um, he said, we better go to the doctor. And they went to the doctor and, the doctor said, look, um, that's out of my realm. You better go and see a consultant. You better go and see a specialist. And so her husband took her in to see the consultant in the hospital. 
just him and her and the consultant. And the consultant kind of, he must have been, you know, used with these things because when they went in, there was a, a bit of paper on the desk and there was a pen, a pen on the desk. Just a paper and a pen. And the consultant said to her, Margaret, I want you to write something on that paper for me. Just for me. And she said to him, well, what, you, what is it you want me to write? What would you like me to write? And he said, I just want you to write just, just the first thing that comes into your head. I want you to write it, and I want you to write it for me. He was obviously wanting to see, you know, how, how she was able to kind of form things. So she took up her pen and she wrote. And the consultant said, are you, is that it? And she said, yes. So she handed it to the consultant. And when she handed it to the consultant, here's what he read out. When I was a girl of 12, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. To the consultant, there were things in life that you had forgotten. There were things in life that had passed her by. But the thing in life you would never forget, as a girl of 12, she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to be her personal Savior. Life's greatest delight, my friends. Life's greatest delight is to have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross of Calvary. Would that everyone in our gathering would share that delight with us this morning. Life's greatest discovery, life's greatest decision, life's greatest delight. You know, I was just thinking as we close, I was just thinking about life's greatest disaster. Life's greatest disaster. Oh, to be without a saviour. Imagine going through life without a saviour. Imagine going through life and coming to the end like my dear father slipping out into eternity, the world receding, eternity advancing without a saviour. The tragedy of it, my friend, to live in one's sin and to practice sin and to die in one's sin and go out to meet God with unforgiven sin. Life's greatest tragedy without an end. I appeal to you this morning with all my heart. Open the door. Let him in. Accept him as your own Savior and share with us the joy of sins forgiven. Life's greatest delight. May the Lord bless his word to all our hearts. Shall we pray? Father, these have been solemn things that have been laid upon our heart today, but life is serious and we need to be faithful to the people. And we pray, Father, for all who are saved that this little message might make them glad that they're saved that they might rejoice in their salvation. And we pray if any tonight, today, have never made that great discovery or taken that great, that great decision, 
that they might take it now and join with us as we make our way homeward to heaven with the Savior who died for us on the cross. We pray your blessing upon all the people, upon all the homes, upon all the families, and upon your good word. And we pray you'll keep us all safe, Father, until we meet again soon as we commend ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.